this is devotional. My name is Ariel, and we are on a series entitled Jesus Reveals the Eight Paths to Happiness. This is episode nine. So, we are now probably thinking about baklava. <laughs> After that last episode, I'm craving it. I was describing the way Mrs. Matango would make the baklava. My mouth was watering here in the Detroit area. There's a large section where there's a lot of Middle Eastern individuals and there's a bakery called Shatila. And my wife and I have discovered that they also make good baklava, but they make baklava for the masses. When a mom makes baklava for a family, for festivities, it tastes different. You can't replicate that. But that's what we've been talking about as far as Hungering and thirsting, we've tasted something that is so delicious, so sweet, we can't get enough. And that's forgiveness. And in the last episode, um, we spent quite a bit of time thinking about or having uh, time to reflect on what it took God to forgive us, to freely forgive us of our sins, of our selfishness and pride in the many ways it has manifested in our lives. And so it makes complete sense. You'll see that these things now make more and more sense the way that we move, we move forward because if I'm thirsting and hungering for justice needed, not justice deserved, which is mercy, and I experience it, now that mercy received will change me. It will change how I relate to other human beings. And so Jesus naturally says the next beatitude, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy now he's not intimating by no means that we initiate this process of merciful mercifulness that somehow god is waiting until you and i are merciful so that he can start being merciful to us no we've received mercy in the, the previous beatitude when he says blessed are those who thirst and hunger after righteousness for they shall be filled remember that story of that woman at that well when Jesus tells her the verses that we looked at, um, that, you know, I have water, that if you were to drink from it, you will never thirst. You would never feel that parched sensation anymore. You'd be completely satisfied. The woman tells, uh, tells him, please, uh, give me of this water. I don't want to have to come back here again every day. If you give me this water, then I'm done with this well. I won't have to worry about someone else catching me here. And Jesus understands, he's starting to, to reveal to her that he's not just any man. He knows her. He knows her better than she does. So when the woman says, Lord, please give me of this water, you know what Jesus does? He says, all right, I'll give you this water. But first, go and get your husband. And this, the woman's face changes dramatically. And uh, she tries to hide a bit of the awkwardness, maybe the shock. And she says, uh, uh, I'm not married and Jesus says uh, I'm glad to see that you're honest <laughs> that's how Jesus responds um, you are telling me the truth you are not married the reality is is that uh, you've been married four times and the man you're with now five times and the man you're with now he's not your husband you've given up on marriage you've given up on love you've given up on relationships I'm not really sure uh, why you're with this person, but it's certainly not love. 
and you're certainly not satisfied. Jesus has just done everything we've talked about in these Beatitudes. And he's done it in just one question and one statement. The woman now begins to feel a thirst she did not feel when she walked up to that well. She's beginning to realize that he is right. Five failed marriages and the person that I'm with, it's, it's that open door relationship. He can walk out of me anytime he wants to. I mean, keep in mind, we're not talking about a woman uh, cohabiting in 2017 in the United States. This is the Middle East. Women had no rights. And women could not initiate a divorce, which means that the man divorced her five times. And this, this last guy, he doesn't even want to marry her. It's almost like she's lost so much of her self-dignity, so much of her self-respect and self-value. She's willing to settle for something that Maybe at the beginning of this experience, experimenting of trying to be satisfied the human way, she would have never thought I would stoop that low. But here she is. Here she is drinking water that is full of gnats and is stagnant. And I mean, I hope you remember the, the illustration from the last po podcast about my friends being lost in the desert in Arizona and finding that uh, tank of water for cattle full of all kinds of disgusting things and drinking it in because there was nothing better. There was no other options. Well, this woman has been doing that. She has been the recipient of so much neglect. She's willing just to take crumbs from someone and pretend that that is love. That's why the words for Jesus resonated deeply with her. I have water that if you were to drink it, you would never be thirsty again. So the woman's is now in shock. He knows who told him. <laughs> I don't know him. I've never seen him in our community. He's not even a Samaritan. How does he know this? How does he know this secret about me? Well, as she's wrestling with all of these thoughts, God is bringing about her the process of that blessed path, the path of happiness. She's happy because now she knows she has a need. She thought her needs were met with this guy that she was just cohabiting with, but now she knows I'm not. He's not satisfying me, and I'm certain I'm not satisfying him. Thus, he's not willing to marry me. He's not, he's not even sure that I satisfy him, and I'm sticking around just hoping. Well, now I'm hungering for something else. Now I'm thirsting. I'm mourning. Oh, that whole process, she's going through it. She's mourning the fact that, man, I can't believe I've done these kind of things. I never thought I'd be here. In the end... Jesus begins to reveal who he is most fully and eventually he tells her, I am the Messiah. I am the one that you have been waiting for. I am the one that everybody has been talking about, yet no one is recognizing me. But I have given you evidence. I have given you evidence that you can testify in your own personal experience that I truly am who I say I am. I read your heart. I know your need. And I did not come to cause more pain or wound, but rather satisfy this deep, gnawing hunger and thirsting for forgiveness, for reconciliation. See, when we talk about forgiveness, and we usually go to the issue of money, um, you know, the ticket at the judge, I guess that's, that illustration helps perpetuate the shallowness of that experience. I don't have a relationship with the judge or the police. But when Jesus wanted to 
bring the strongest punchline in this issue of forgiveness, he used a, another parable. And I'm going to share with you a, a verse from the parable after we come back from this. there's something that I really enjoy about Jesus and he makes a lot of references to food and I love to eat and since we're talking about this thirsting and hungering and being satisfied there's a book there's a chapter in the book of Revelation chapter 3 um, towards the end there's a church named Laodicea and in his appeal to this church Jesus says I am standing at the door I'm standing outside um, and I'm knocking and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door I will come in and eat with him and he with me and that is an interesting expression that Jesus would not simply say we will eat together but that I will eat with him and he with me entails a one-on-one -on -one encounter and not just about the food I mean, when, when I go with my friends and we hang out, and I'm sure you do the same thing, you guys go to a Chipotle or uh, Red Robins or wherever, you may choose to go and, go and hang out. You guys are not just chowing down the food, not talking to each other. Food is the context in which the friendship is expressed. And I think we never really stop to think about why a lot of the times when we want to hang out with our friends, food is present. I think is because of what Jesus is trying to highlight here. Why would Jesus bring food? Why would Jesus talk about eating? Because there's hunger. And though we are not um, simply saying I'll, I'll only eat with my friends, but when I go out with my friends, I do skip the meal so that I will have the appetite for when we're together. And in a sense, being with friends and eating says something. It's not just the food that is bringing a sense of satisfaction. You are my friend. Me being here with you satisfies a longing for love and companionship in my life. So when Jesus talks about coming in to eat, it's I will eat with him and he with me. Um, he's talking about a relationship of having needs met, ours our need the house that we're in we don't have food we don't have water that satisfies but Jesus brings that with him and so when he knocks at the door he's not going to say what do you have in your fridge he knows that what we have in our homes in our lives in our hearts doesn't even satisfy us I mean, he's not looking for that either he is bringing that which will try to, will satisfy the deepest longings of our hearts let Jesus in He's knocking in the door of your heart. Maybe you're also starting to get a little bit of hungry. Um, talking about all this food and baklava. Um, so we, we just looked about Jesus and this context of friendship, relationship. And I think that's the key ingredient that gets missed when all we care about is forgiveness, like that guy that owed $14 million to the king, uh, whoever money, they, they, 
amount of money converted to. He owed so much. And then he thought he could pay back, which is crazy. But when he gets forgiven, he doesn't really care. Because I don't think he really cared about the king. It, it goes to, it, it makes perfect sense that he wouldn't because he's, he's, he's splurging and spending carelessly the money of someone he doesn't really care about. He is being uh, unprofessional, unethical, because he doesn't care. And so when the king forgives him, the guy doesn't have no appreciation because there's no loyalty for this king. There's no um, emotional friendship with this king. So Jesus, uh, I mean, that's one of the things that you need to realize from the parables. You cannot get a complete picture of the entire gospel experience from just one parable. Because Jesus would use these as slices of a pie. And it's not until you put all the slices together that you begin to see the, 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 the pie that God is trying to paint for us, the picture. Jesus tells another parable. A parable in which he, through this one, seeks to let us experience or see the, the deep joy that forgiveness ought to bring. When God forgives us, it should bring deep joy, deep peace, and deep gratitude. Jesus tells a parable of a father who had two sons. You may be familiar with this parable. The oldest son was apparently very loyal to the father, but the youngest son, once he got to a certain age, he began to realize, man, I'm getting a bit antsy here in this house. The same routine, monotony, and uh, you know, my dad's got, got he's loaded. Um, but he's also pretty good shape. He's going to be around for a long time, and I'm not going to get my share of the inheritance until he dies. Um, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to say, listen, give me my part of the inheritance. I can't wait for you to die. Give it to me now. You're talking about lack of love, lack of appreciation. And in this parable, Jesus, I mean, he really pushes the limits. Even for our culture, um, this would be, you know, extremely scandalous and offensive to us even more so in a patriarchal culture where Jesus is telling this parable. And this, Jesus is telling it precisely to create this effect in his listeners. This father gives this younger son the portion of his inheritance. And as soon as he gets the money, the young man leaves, goes to a far country, spends it on, the Bible says, prostitutes, friends, and debauchery. And, you know, we see it, we know it. You have a lot of friends when you have a lot of money, and when it runs out, you're abandoned. It's, it's that water that Jesus spoke about. Friendships in the world without the love of Christ, they're just people figuring out how to use each other. Um, and when there's no more need, then why, do I, why should I hang around with you? Why should I give you my time? And so these, he, he's abandoned. He's abandoned by everyone. And, He's broke, and no one will give him nothing, anything. And one person from that country says, you know, I, I don't have someone to work feeding my pigs. Uh, would you go feed my pigs? It's, it's an identical, in that parable, an identical parallel to that woman where that man would say to her, I know you've been divorced several times. All these men didn't want you. There must be something wrong with you. But I need someone to make my meals. I need someone to satisfy my physical needs. I don't love you. In fact, I don't want to marry you. But let's just get together. I just want to be upfront with you. 
and the woman saying, okay. Can you, can you imagine that? Someone that is so starving for love, that is willing to accept that. Well, the Bible says that this young man experienced hunger. Hunger so deep that he would even eat what they were feeding to the pigs. But Jesus adds this powerful, at least to me, it's a powerful little detail in that he says that they wouldn't even give him that. They wouldn't even give him the food for the pigs and he would gladly have eaten that. So he's starving and he's hungry and I don't even know what they would feed him then. I don't know what kind of food he would get there if pig food is not even being given to him. So he wakes up and he begins to realize, I'm poor, I'm broke. And he starts to mourn, why am I here? In my father's house, even the slaves, the servants eat better than me. He's mourning his condition. So then he's now uh, hungering and thirsty for his dad, for his dad's home. Do you see the progression there? It's powerful. It's all throughout the Gospels. The Beatitudes get repeated over and over in so many ways throughout all this, the, the, the records. The, the teaching is so consistent. So he gets up. The hunger is driving him. It's the hunger that is getting him up of his feet because he's hungering for what, in where he's at, he knows it's just not going to happen. I'm not going to be satisfied. That woman at the well, that Samaritan woman at the well, she made a choice. <laughs> I'm kicking that guy out. I mean, I mean that's in ima my imagination. Um, or maybe put her foot down. Either you marry me or you leave. I don't know. Um, my guess is that she kicked him out. But in any, any regards, she goes back to the town and tells everyone about this man that has told her everything she's ever done, and yet he loves her. He desires her. He wants her as his child. He is as a father looking for their child for such a long time. And the father recognizes the child, but the child has forgotten what the father looks like and she's just recognized the light bulb has just gone on her head she has found her savior she has found the person that loves her with an everlasting love that with cords of kindness he's been drawing to her so this young son gets home and he's got a speech ready you know dad i, I know i blew it I'm not expecting anything from you. I'm actually really hungry. I'd be happy to just be a servant. I don't have to be a son. Um, can, we, can we work with that? And the father doesn't even <laughs> respond or acknowledge it. He begins to tell the servants, clean my son up. Actually, the, I, I rush through this. Jesus really builds up this last part. The, the, Jesus says that the father saw the son a long ways off. The son never sees the father, but the father has been looking and yearning for the son to return and so he runs the father is the one running and you have to understand in that culture older individuals never ran it was a sign of disrespect of, of uh, a lack of self-respect he runs he doesn't care what people think his son is coming back he's been longing his heart has been yearning for this child of his to return and he hugs and kisses the son and embraces him um, doesn't care about the smell, doesn't care about the stench, and doesn't care about what the son has done. 
He doesn't care about the words. I wish you were dead already, but since you aren't, give me the inheritance. That's an amazing, amazing amount of love that we sometimes don't get, we don't see, we don't spend time reflecting and thinking upon. The father tells his servants, take these filthy clothes off, restore him, put the family ring, put sandals on his feet. He's not a servant, he's my son. Let's make a feast. Let's celebrate. And here's the, the, the point, the, the, one of the climactic, there's two. We're not going to talk about the second one, but we're going to talk about the first one, where Jesus says, For this my son was dead, but now he's alive. Jesus told the Samaritan woman, The water that I will give to you, it will become a fountain of water springing up to everlasting life. It's not just about having our needs met. It's about beginning to experience a life that we are finally satisfied. Happiness naturally springs from a satisfied heart. I mean, have you ever been hungry and starving and you eat? How do you feel when you've taken that last bite of whatever that delicious food you had, your favorite dish? You ever experience hunger and you eat your favorite food? How does it feel like when you take that last bite and it's just perfect and you are completely satisfied? Chances are you're smiling because you're happy. And Jesus tells us, I want to see you like that. I want to see you satisfied to the deepest levels of your being emotionally intellectually physically and spiritually and i am that water i am that bread me in you will satisfy all the longings your hearts ever had and will never be satisfied here my friend my heart stirred not with the thought of food but with the thought of jesus the father's love father's love that yearns for you and i he's knocking pray we both let him in. Have a wonderful meal of friendship and love. A meal that makes us love Jesus more the more we think about how much he loved us, how much he loves you.